You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome. David Hall. Back from Daytona. All right. And Donnie Spiker. And no audio. And we'll move on to Greg Hectus. I think I have audio. On the show this week, a new World of Outlaws Sprint Car Champion was crowned. A 2023 Coke Series made its official start, and the Porsche Super Cup Series begins this week. There's more from the controversial 24 Hours of Daytona. And is there data that can prove that sim racing is a sport? And you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics we'll discuss by going to iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So you can follow us from there. So it's back. iRacing has announced that the Skip Barbie Formula iRacing series is back, and it's the Sim to Reality Championship that's returning this week. Uh, there's 500,000 in prizes, plus a fully funded ride on the line. Yeah, just a reminder that this is happening. I was initially thinking about running it, but it's about a, it's $100 to run the whole thing uh, for entry fees. Um, so if you want to put up the 100 bucks, man, I, I think it's... There's a lot of stuff here that can be uh, learned and and perhaps won. There's a lot of prizes. Yeah, I like the description sim to reality. That's pretty cool because that's literally what this series is. You know, you go from racing the sim, and if you do well enough, uh, you you actually get to ride, ride in this car. Really a cool event. It's it it reminds me of uh, those uh, fiction books where, you know, they have uh, video games that are – that are finding pilots for spaceships and, and, and the game is actually, it's for the, for the real thing. I like the format too, Brian. Um, it, you go into time attack actually, and you run hot laps and uh, they pick the, basically the top 20 hot lap, hot lappers uh, for the week get invited to the race. And so Obviously, you got to be available when the race is happening. You know, if you if you get picked uh, in the top twenty, and boy, you got to be able to put up a hot lap too in the time attack. Now, I time attack has changed a lot since the beta UI has come on. It's not like it used to be uh, on the website. There's a they put up a lot of different things there that you can try, and this is one of them. That's almost like most of the majors races that you try to get into, where you basically have to set a qualifying time during the week, and then uh, get in especially for the road courses. And we're still not getting a tap, Donnie. And um, even though this is a Skip Barber series, didn't we find out that they're actually not using the Skip Barber car? They're using the IR, IRO4, four. is that right? Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. I'm surprised that they did that. Yeah, you would think it would be the Skip Barber, you know, since that's the you know title sponsor. And it's got Skip Bar- Barber as part of the title sponsor's name. 
but don't forget, not only you have to do the time attack, you have to do the paperwork and the, and the 20 bucks a week uh, at the websites, uh, at the Skip Barber Racing School website. I wonder if they use the IR04 because it's a little bit more difficult to drive and uh, maybe, maybe they're getting a, you know, a better test of a driver's skill. Yeah, I mean, I haven't tried it yet. I'm still on the Indy Pro 2000, which is probably a step down from that car. So I was actually thinking about buying it here shortly and trying it. Um, they were actually at a track that I didn't have, so I decided to wait another week. But Well, we'll see if maybe uh, the winner can take it all the way to the real championship again. That would be neat if that happened. So we hammered and hammered and hammered Williams, and they did finally come out with a late apology, Mike. Yeah, they did. And um, what do you guys think of this? I mean, I think it's a a day late, a dollar short kind of thing. As I mentioned in the last show, it, if it was, if they were really sorry about it, they would have apologized earlier in the week. I mean, I, it was just silly that they came out so late with the. I don't know. We're so used to the crazy fast news cycle. Maybe they did just need to take some time and have their lawyers look at it because it's, you know, you're talking about a, a real racing organization that's dealing with real racecraft as well. So um, I, I'm less concerned about the time than I am about the fact that they really didn't say there's going to be any real consequences from it. Not not internally anyway. You'll never know the consequences from iRacing side unless unless they announce it. But nothing internally from Williams, you know, to discipline their own drivers and their own behavior, which is a little bit disappointing that they didn't they didn't do it take any internal measures on this. Well, um, Greg, uh, you put up a Jimmy Broadbent video about an hour or two ago. Um, where he goes over this and and his take on the on this particular apology was really i mean reading between the lines is um hey sorry we're we got caught and um we're going to keep the win and and so forth and proceed down the road yeah so it's it's, it's a non apology really if when you look up to it and another thing is um and I, I can understand why this might have taken a little time to come out if it needed to be vetted by uh, by legal people or something like that. But the thing that that bothers me is that um, you know it, it says in here that they like to um, state that the social media posts put out by one of our team members was not authorized or nor does it reflect the values of e- Williams Esports. They could have done something about that post sooner. You know, they could have they could have had that guy take that down a lot sooner. And um, and that was I'm, I'm assuming it's the one where the guy basically said, yeah, we cheated. We broke the rules. But it's if we don't do it, everybody else is going to do it. And we're going to lose to those guys. That was that was basically the post. I'm, I think they're referring to. But um, they didn't they didn't do anything to um, to try to halt that from my, from my knowledge. The other spin on this is. This was the endurance teams, the endurance drivers, but Williams Esports is in lots of different sim racing. In fact, they're in the Coke series. They have a couple drivers there. And I was kind of watching carefully this week how those Coke drivers might be affected just being associated as Williams Esports. Uh, Would people go after him on social media? Uh, You know, that kind of thing. I I didn't really see it, but uh, what do you guys think? I mean, would those guys... I mean, how, how, how would you be if you're the oval 
driver for that team and and you see what's happened on the roadside i mean you got to have integrity and and that kind of thing i mean i would be a little bit leery well certainly nothing like this would be allowed to go on in the coke series they actually do live admin am i back yeah 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 would this be a case of Williams, the Williams F1 team, just assuming that they're bigger than this and they can they can kind of care less? It'd I be think shameful. that's how you read it between the lines, yeah. It's pretty sad, but, yeah, I mean, they, they're they they're stepping into this esports realm, the sim racing realm. They should, uh, you know, at least know their place a little. That's why I really feel like in this situation, iRacing should uh, be a little bit more public. Than, than than they are in these types of situations versus some just you know random protests from average Joe to average Joe. Uh, that's definitely my take on the, on that spin. But uh, speaking of spin, we got a car, uh, Donnie, that's going uh, a little spin happy. Yeah, spin cycle, if you'd say so. Overtake GG posted a video of a looks like a prototype of some sort. I apologize if I can't get the right one down, but it's a prototype on iRacing. Uh, gets T-boned essentially, and then goes out of control and just starts spinning like a top. And I find this this kind of fascinating on on two accounts. One, it's another bug we get to look at and laugh at. But I've noticed this isn't the first overtake GG post of a iRacing bug in the last few weeks since the whole uh, uh, motorsport games thing came out. This yeah, is also well, pretty much a setup that these cars all were wrecking each other on purpose. Yeah, they're trying to do it. It, it appears. Um, but man, the the spin picks up momentum, you know, and, and then it's like it doesn't even slow. And uh, once it gets up on its nose, uh, spinning around like a, a tornado, uh, yeah, there's no stopping it. In fact, one guy goes driving after it, trying to knock it down, and uh, actually can't even do that. Well, at the very end, he finally to. to to the point where he makes contact with the tornado car and it just like lifts off the ground and just flies into the sky. It was, it was really weird. That was cool. How it lifted off. He was able to just kind of dot, you know, just bump it just a little bit upwards. And it's like a, like a balloon. It just launches up into the space. Uh, that's cool. Uh, how about a title idea? Tornado car. How did that second uh, prototype not get him? At, oh, he comes back here towards the end again. But he missed him the first time. He missed him the second time. What the heck? Yeah, when it's driving across, when it's twisting across the grass, it looks just like some kind of tornado watch. Where they're just following a tornado go across the plains of, of uh, Kansas. Yeah, it was really, really weird. I was thinking more like Nancy Kerrigan in a car. It was too smooth of a spin. Was this pre or post injury? Well, the person's knee probably wouldn't feel pretty very good after that ride. Well, this next one I'll definitely take. Uh, iRacing at the 24 hours. It wasn't really iRacing. It was the BMW driving experience is, is, is what was actually going on there. They had two uh, sim rigs set up with DD1 drives, I believe, and uh, Fanatec V3 pedals and what, the old Fanatec tubular rig, I believe, with a kind of wide monitor. I, I tried it once and I struggled because they had it. The setup was really not right. And in fact, there was a Fanatec representative there who came up and talked to me after I was talking to him about the brake bias needed to be forward. He did move that forward, but he also fixed something called brake force, which was affecting where it, it was affecting basically the brake curve on the brakes. And it, what was happening is it was making me lock. It was making the brake too sensitive where like I was 
it was locking the brakes up before I was even pushing the brake halfway down. Um, so he fixed that, but so I didn't turn great times, but it was still neat. I got to meet a fan of tech rep and ran into a couple of I racers that were actually waiting in line. Um, I've got a nice souvenir BMW bottle, um, but they were out there. Yeah. The whole time running these two rigs. You got to meet up with teammate Bobby Jonas in person. That was cool. Yeah. Crashed on his couch both nights. We were going to stay in a camper, but he said something along the lines of it being broken. I got to meet, I mean, might as well talk about it. I got to meet Andy Lally in person. Got to talk with him standing on pit lane. I also met his, uh, his crew chief or strategy caller, Sean, who uh, is actually one of the guys on Dinner with Racers. Got to visit with him for a little bit and got his card, and we're going to try to arrange something with him. One of their mechanics is also an avid racer and has a thread going um, that I'll probably talk about some next week. So it was, it was a really neat experience. There was a lot of lot of really cool stuff in the infield, some really good food. They had a, they had food trucks on the inside. I got up on the Ferris wheel and during the night and took a lot of pictures. It was all a great experience. Do they charge you for the Ferris wheel? Is that like a separate charge? Yeah, it was like ten bucks. That there's a there's a like almost a carnival on the inside, and even though on the outside or in all of the concessions everywhere else were card only, they were refusing to take cash. The carnival was cash only. You gotta have to know that going into it. But uh, your pictures into the group chat this weekend um, inspired me to actually go to the Saturday portion of the Long Beach Grand Prix this year. The I keep hearing M says garage access is pretty spectacular. Yeah, they had a grid walk at Daytona and and basically you could just walk right in right up to the cars, right up to the drivers and say hi. You could go in the garages except for on uh, race day. They did close them off during race day. All right, when I got home from the gym today, I noticed I almost didn't make one of the pre-Q races for majors because there was a patch, Brian. Yeah, this patch was uh, set uh, for Friday um, at uh, 8 a.m. So uh, Thursday, well, there was one on Thursday the 26th. I think there was another one on Friday, though. Yeah, we have um, two in this week. There was so. two quick ones, yeah. This so is the, the first one. Yeah, because I, I, I was uh, working from home Friday, and I turned on my rig in the morning, and I did the one patch, and then, like, almost immediately had to do the second one. So uh, it, was, uh, it was pretty interesting. But um, the, the second patch was very short. It was literally just a hot fix for the um, – for to fix the wall snag with some troublesome bumps at turn three and four for the dirt track at Charlotte. Now, um, the World of Outlaws uh, final race was at this track on the Monday following this patch. So I'm assuming they, uh, they, they saw some issues with it and wanted to get it fixed before that finale. And we might as well go over the second patch while we're talking about it. I just found it. Um, Tire model uh, fixed an issue for some cars where tire rubber was becoming unrealistically extra conditioned when driving over curbs and rumble strips. Surface model, soft surface model properties for gravel have been updated. New damage model, system-wide adjustment, and how the bodies uh, that connect retain contact. And, and one of those Daytona, so this is the big one, Daytona road course, slow down penalties have been added to the banked apron and cones have been adjusted to show where it is safe to use the apron again. So there you go. I wonder the what reaction. that's from. 
a hey, question for you guys. Uh, some of you are using the the, um, the UI for the first time. Uh, where do you guys do your updates from? Do you go from the website or do you, from the UI? I always go from the website. Have any of you tried the UI yet for updates? I've done both. I haven't done it before on UI. I'm finding that fail in the UI. yes, yes, like almost. I don't want to say all the time, but. At least half the time, you got to start it over, and then you get frustrated enough, you go back to the website and do your downloads from there. I'm hoping we got a month to go, and they're. I'm curious if they're going to keep the website open for stuff like that for for updates and and what they're gonna what they're gonna do. It's just not as rock solid. I, I tell you what, I've always updated on the website, of course, because that's what I used. And knock on wood, I never really had a problem with the downloads. Every time it was this work. But then I converted to the beta UI, you know, when they announced the website closing in March. And ever since then, I think it's failed two, maybe three times. That's a lot, you know, in that short amount of time. Was there anything ever. mentioned in there about restart zones? Because uh, it's my understanding of the restart zones that they've, they've taken them back off of official racing. And there's a, this, a, a bug with them being a little bit too sensitive. No. Because uh, we've been doing majors pre-qualifying races all week, so the way you get in this this Daytona twenty or Daytona five hundred is you have to run basically twenty five lap sprint races, um, and your best average finish essentially puts you either in the top split or the second split from your top four races, and most of them, I, I, granted, the guys having to hit a bunch of different buttons. Most of them, they've had this the the restart zones disabled now, but a couple of times they've missed it, and a couple of the times the leaders, not being aware of that particularly, have gotten busted for like going eighty three miles an hour instead of eighty two, uh, coming to the restart. It reminds me, NASCAR did some rules changes recently, and uh, one of those was they were expanding the restart zone to be longer or wider in uh, certain tracks. And so I hope iRacing will adjust those as well. A couple weeks to go. We'll be hitting NIS soon. So uh, let's get this figured out. Well, you mentioned it. Didn't they also get rid of the cautions at road courses during stages? They did. But they're still going to have the stage like wins and points and awarded. But there's just no actual caution. They just stay green. That's going to create an, another interesting strategy situation. That'll be nice. So I always thought the cautions were to get more commercials in, but they throw so many commercials in anyway, I don't think it matters. It's definitely for the ovals. That's the main reason for the stage breaks. And then the ovals, they don't like them to get split up, you know? So, all right, this next one, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll hit up a little bit. We're ringing down the hammer. Um, I race short course penalties penalizes two drivers, including Parker Ricecliffe, um for the back, they sent him to the back of the field for poor driving. We have a, a tweet uh, from iRacing Short Course, which is at iRacing Short on Twitter. And it says, during round one of the 2023 National Series, we've witnessed two T-bones for the race lead during laps 11 and 12. That would be the final lap. And after further, after further review, the 31 of Parker Resclaff will be penalized to move from 1st to 16th. The 23 of Nicholas Dachalet uh, will also be penalized and move to 17th. We do not condone that type of racing. We strive to provide racers and viewers with a proper and clean short course race. 
So what is short course? What, what are they referring to? What kind of racing is this? It's probably like pro speed, four speedways. Trucks. You know, pro four tr uh, trucks, you know, the Wild West Motorsports track. And what was the other one? I was just trying to get to the T-bone for the lead. I'm trying to figure out what, maybe do that in a hairpin? I don't know. Well, you're, you're I, I can see that happen easy because, hey, you're first and second. Second's trying to get to the leader. He's right on him. They, they break hard into the corner. Second is a little, you know, tougher in on the brakes and they're digging into the apex which usually on these corn uh, tracks is like a hard corner or a hard turn and yeah you would just t-bone into the guy and uh, that's how you usually make passes on these courses but obviously they didn't like it now here's the uh the news thing if you go check uh the today's tweet from the same uh, twitter handle it says this news due to unforeseen issues we will be postponing round two of the 2023 national series. New dates will be announced shortly. We look forward to resuming next week with round three. So it must be a fairly prestigious league with uh, um, Parker Retzlaff in it. You know, the big name driver, you know, he's a real world uh, uh, NASCAR driver. And um, so, you know, you have that, that brings a lot of prestige to your leagues. And uh, for them to, to become bringing the hammer down like they are with these penalties, uh, it looks like they're not putting up with a lot of nonsense. It makes more sense now what, that it's, you know, off-road trucks. Make, in my head, reading this tweet. I, I wonder what it, the unforeseen issues could be that you completely skip a week of sim racing. I mean, what can go wrong that you would have to, like the only thing I can think of is not everybody on the track are not available or, or something, you know, that it, it's a bit broadcasted event. Maybe the broadcasters are not available. I don't know. Maybe half the racers aren't available, but there's really no uh, indication about why uh, they would postpone a sim race. I just can't imagine what could come up that they would do such a thing. One guy is not available. So they postpone the event. I mean, uh, that doesn't make sense either. Does it? Or is it tied to the tweet we talked about before where they decided to, you know, penalize the leader on the last lap of the race and da 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 and... I think the first one's more likely. But, but, you know, they might actually be available if they would just get all of their equipment and put it on a plane, right? What do you think, Brian? Yeah, it's a speed snakes on a plane any day. Um so apparently uh, Max Verstappen is installing a sim rig on his uh, Falcon 900EX private jet, which is pretty freaking cool. So if I had a private jet, I'm putting a rig on him as well. Uh, and uh, Max is a hardcore a sim racer, and he, he, he don't want to spend their time away from his rig when he's flying from place to place, which is awesome. Um, doesn't say what the rig is just yet. I'm sure it's, it's going to be a good one because uh, we've seen pictures of his uh his a uh, sim rig cave before and and he's got a really really nice setup um so uh the just uh give you some a little bit of background the falcon 900 ex uh goes for 43 million dollars new so it's a it's a quite an expensive plane there um and yeah, so this is awesome. This makes me think of the times when I want to take my rig with me when we go on camping trip. I haven't figured that one out yet. So we found out the beans were spilled by Dr. Helmut Marco, who said, quote, 
the opposite is the case. He even had his private plane converted so that he can fly in a simulator in the air in the future. But that's a good thing, too, because Max needs this distraction. In any case, it didn't do him any harm when it come to his two titles. And he's referring to a uh, uh, flight sim that he's working on, too. My question would be, is, uh, is how does he get solid internet when he's flying like that? I mean, you're not getting good. You can't use a hotspot and you can't, you know, I don't, I don't know how you get good internet. I'm flying laps or something. Practice. Starlink. Yeah, Starlink's the only thing I can think of, but that they have a lot of block blackout areas that, that doesn't cover. And if you're on a couple thousand mile trip, it's bound bound to hit some dead spots, I would think. There's supposed he flies to be, over my house, he can't stick her. Most of the blackout areas are now based on they just want to make it more available to more rural areas. They've been trying to do that. Yeah, and Starlink I believe is going to be on some airlines coming up this year or if not next year so maybe he's got some early prototype of of something with his jet he could afford it but he's awesome he's awesome for sim racing he's a great ambassador and we need more people like him the cruise ship i was on a couple weeks ago had starlink so you could get um state connected in the middle of the ocean so i guess it can be done all right uh, I believe I remember you posting this one, Mike. We have a a uh, Mark Malone or no Matt Malone video, um, pretty dramatic. Yeah, uh, stock cars at Talladega, uh, typical. They're too wide, and he's at the front of the the outside lane, and and he's getting push, push, push. You know, even through the corner. And, and they push him in basically into the middle, which is, you know, what you, what happens when you get in the middle, you fall back. So they, they split him and uh, they broke him. They broke to the outside of him and he's in the middle falling back. And he's, and what's funny about the clip that really gets me is uh, he's kind of yelling out, like stay in the throttle, stay in the throttle to try to save it because he's on the wheel back and forth, trying to, you know, keep it in the middle. And, uh, and finally he, he kind of loses it. He's like, son of a bitch really loud it was funny you had to be there it was a heck of a save though, before <laughs> before that crash that was a hell of a save just watching him work the wheel back and forth was pretty crazy was this arca at talladega yeah and there's no caution yeah. but you know you have to save it or your race is over i mistakenly ran one of these this week and donated a bunch of ir to it but son tried to talk me out of it but i was like heck why not okay i'm gonna try it again he says you son of a bitch that's a good sound clip. Like we should put that on a, a a button. I don't think it would really fit well with Tony's uh, soundboard, though. He's got, but I mean, everything he has is mostly stuff that you say. Well, that's why I was trying to say it, but it didn't come out as well as Matt did it. So go check out Matt Malone. What's neat about what Matt does as a content creator is he's using YouTube's new uh, vertical videos. Uh, they're called YouTube Shorts. And it's a perfect format because it's a short video to begin with. And what he's doing is he's putting his his reaction video or his face on the bottom part of the video and then the replay of the actual racing on the top part of the video. And, and it's kind of neat because you can see both things at the same time. And uh, it's a neat format. You know, the YouTube uh, short started like I didn't I didn't look at him because the videos were so odd. But I think it finally picked up my personality. I get nothing but hot chicks swinging golf clubs. So. Right, the bikini shots are all over, right? Took a few weeks. All right, I'm going to speed on to the next one that's actually about slowing iRacing down. 
Um, boy, I'm going to slaughter this name. Uh, Ika Hapala, he tweeted that after watching the real Daytona 24, iRacing needs to slow down all the classes. He noted that the BMW LMDHs, that's not right. They're GTPs in America were at least four seconds too fast. And the same goes for the other classes. I did notice that the GTPs were getting a slightly slower time or than, than we got in real life. I wasn't paying attention to the lap times of, of the other races or classes as much because they weren't talking about those lap times on the, on the radio coverage. What I particularly noticed is that the way the hybrid system is operating was completely different than what iRacing has. They were talking about having basically a limited amount of energy they could spend per stint. And so if they boosted more, they couldn't use all their fuel even. Uh, And then also a couple of times they got warnings from the stewards for deploying too much in one lap. Whereas in iRacing, if you hit 100% of the max that you can deploy in a lap, it just wouldn't deploy anymore. Um, so the hybrid system that they were using was nothing like it is implemented currently in iRacing, where they basically just copied the system from the formula car. Um, that's important to note when they're talking about this, the lap time speeds. I don't know about the other two classes. So what did you, I'm sorry, what did you um, think of the lap times? Did you even notice anything different? Well, when you're watching, you're not going to, you're not going to care about that. I thought the same. Yeah. They're either fast or they're slow. It's just, um, but yes, we do want to get iRacing as close as possible. But what I'm saying is that's going to be a a definite challenge on the BMW. Plus we're going to have to see how it runs at other tracks as well before they really make those decisions. But on the, on the LMP ones or no, the DTPs, the, the hybrid systems are just not working at all like it does in real life so unless they model that correctly it's it's um irrelevant i guess is the best way to say it makes sense um in iRacing i haven't driven the bmw does it start off electric and then explode with the combustion like it does in real life um not really in fact it it just runs it kind of does like the f1 does it it runs on gas and it just it just gives you extra horsepower from the battery when it's available and in on and it's using a computer that's just telling it when to boost to keep you at around either 50 percent or zero percent or 100 percent, depending on which mode you choose and there's no manual control option now in the way they copied it unlike there was with the lmps where you could actually tell it when to boost yourself um, I personally, I mean, I've done okay with it, but I don't particularly like it because it wastes, you don't want to really use your electric energy when you're in sixth and seventh gear. It's just not as efficient. It's better to use that energy in the lower gears and then just let the, and and it, have more energy available for the lower gears instead of wasting it on the front stretch when you're, or when you got so much wind resistance in your face. That well, some of the replies. Oh, sorry, Donnie. I was going to say some of the replies here. Uh, Richard Taller said there's far too much grip in all classes. The cars need way more finesse as the downforce falls off. And Hapala did reply back. Um, the uh, LMDH specifically also has way too much peak downforce, but I assume it's going to get adjusted now that there's more data. We can absolutely fly through the chicane in iRacing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Additionally, sorry. Additionally, 
the track has more grip in iRacing than it does in real life now. Now, yeah, to the Ferrari we drove for the team fun. I mean, unless you got hit by somebody, that thing was impossible to wreck. Um, it had a lot of grip, and the tires lasted forever. But that Cadillac, back to the sound and and how it works, kind of gave me hope for whenever NASCAR eventually makes a transition to their their hybrid. But uh, the the Cadillac, I liked. I actually liked how the BMW sounded the best. Are they a V8 too? Is the BMW a V8? I think they all are. But it was neat. I hope they adjust the. Uh, I hope they can find a little bit more about how the hybrid system works and eventually implement that instead of just leaving the copy of the of the Formula One. All right, uh, Mike, take the. Oh no, this one actually I should throw to Brian. Uh, we've got another one gone that is related to the Porsche Tag Hoya Esports Super Cup. Yeah, that's right. And, and we lose another driver from that uh, Porsche Super Cup series. This time it's uh, Kevin Ellis Jr. He's he uh, tweeted a um, a statement that uh, that uh, quote due to other competitions and commitments, I have decided that my journey as a Peace Pro World uh, World Class driver on iRacing will come to an end after six seasons. So um so yeah so he's pulled out of the Porsche Tag Heuer um, Super Cup series um you know, just the latest in a in a run it really all started when Coanda pulled out with and and their team really started pulling out of that this series that um and now with the the new uh the new um Ren Sports stuff coming up. Uh, he doesn't actually, I don't think he says exactly where he's going. He just says he's got. Yeah, he does say uh, Ren Sport will become my full focus as it paves okay. the way for sim racing to finally get onto the world stage and move out of this niche it's been in, trapped in. Okay, sorry, I, that part was cut off from my screen. But uh, yeah, so just another driver heading to Ren Sport and uh, seeing where, where it goes from there. <laughs> I think there are some drivers that are doing both Porsche uh, Super Cup and Rensport, uh, but uh, this guy is going exclusive to Rensport. So good luck to him. Yeah, there's no requirement from Rensport, which I like. I almost want to support them a little bit since they're not doing the exclusivity BS that MSG is. But still, it's up to each driver to decide how much they want to commit their time into each software and also if you're focusing on one set of software the it may actually be hard to switch back and forth between the two sims but ultimately it's just a matter of how much time do you have as well so what sim are we talking about has anyone ever seen this sim oh i guess that leads into the next topic david yeah, we uh, they tweeted a replay or an apology that they're delaying the beta version of their sim and I, if I remember reading this, they basically said they're going to focus on making sure it works for the league that that they're running, the the Premier League that they're running first before they put it out to a to public beta. Which I mean, what does that mean if it's not even being beta tested yet? Uh, it's still it still kind of blows my mind that all these guys are committing to software that's not even done yet. So so the event's going to run. They're going to run. I hope they've been beta testing on their own. Maybe some of their drivers have been testing it out. But it's called event, alpha testing. Yeah. So the testing, yeah. the event's still going to happen February 11th and 12th. Uh, but they put out that letter saying that they're not going to be ready for beta at the beginning of February. I, I, to give them a little credit, kind of saying what you were saying earlier about exclusivity and whatnot, but for them to just say, hey, we're not ready, 
and be honest and open about it instead of just throwing some piece of crap out there and then it completely tanking, at least they're being a little upfront with their, with their um, potential consumer and letting them know they're not ready, but we're still going to run the event and see how it goes. Well, they specifically said they want to make sure that it, that, that they don't mess the event up before they focus on the, on putting out the beta out, out to the public. Yeah. Except that beta turns out to be crap. Then their event, you know, most likely won't be good. So let's, yeah, let's see how their event goes and then go from there. So if you were on our Discord channel this week, you would have seen a conversation with me and Dr. Orzi uh, about just this. And we we're us discussing, like, who is behind the money? You know, I want to follow the money. I mean, we're talking half a million euros, you know, in a, for a league, uh, you know, for a league race or league races or league events, you know, for a closed group on software that isn't even ready yet, you know, in the next couple of weeks, you know, it starts. So I don't think we got a good answer on who's paying for it. I mean, Dr. Orzi did say that um, they're from Poland and that these events, the first events that they're having are also in Poland. So uh, the money's coming from there somehow. So is this right? It says that the, that they're starting February 11th and 12th. Yeah, that's um, like a not even two weeks. It's like it's like a week and a half away. That, these guys aren't. <laughs> these guys aren't even on the practice. Can't even practice yet. And and you know they've already had one delay already. Who's to say it won't happen again? I mean, I have no confidence that this is gonna gonna come off well. I mean, and you know, beta testing is where you find out where all the kinks, where all the bugs are, and all the little niches that uh, go wrong. And there's not gonna nowhere near enough time to to flush all that stuff out. It's it's insane. I I don't get it. I mean, I know money talks, and and apparently it's talking to a lot of these drivers that are that are leaving iRacing and maybe some of the other uh, race sims out there. But I mean, I. I don't know if I would want to be attached to this without with the uncertainty that's involved. It's crazy. So I'm on their website right now, which is kind of clunky and loud, but um, I'm trying to look for a schedule for their series. Do we even know anything about the series, how long it is, where they're racing? It's uh, GT3 cups, uh, GT3 cars at they, like regular F1 tracks. I think that's what I remember. And I think in our, our own group chat this week, and we kind of, I don't know, we weren't dismissive of it, but we kind of potentially put this in the Gran Turismo class compared to, you know, an, an iRacing type sim. Right. Is it a, a game or is it a sim, right? Yeah, they're using Unreal Engine 5. Ultra realistic racing, it says, on Unreal Engine 5. see is that I, you know, is, this... is that oh, i'm sorry is does does that mean ultra realistic uh, graphics viewing or does it ultra realistic um true to life performance of the cars and the and the tracks and all you know i racing's out there scanning cars and getting telemetry from the actual cars and and you know scanning the tracks within a millimeter of of accuracy um what what kind of accuracy and real life driving are they going to bring? Is it just an eye candy thing or is it a, or are they really that invested in getting a, a, a true to life driving experience? I think we also talked about in the discord, I can't find it, but is this a, you know, competition to iRacing? And for me, it's not because, 
of the depth of eye racing, the dirt, the oval, you know, the road, all the different cars, all the different tracks. I mean, there's so many different disciplines. Uh, when this thing comes out, it's got one kind of car class on just a few tracks. I mean, that's not competition. I mean, yeah, and the history. Sorry, Dave, and and the history of it too. You know, Iris has been around for what twelve years now. I mean, they've had a lot of time to perfect this thing where it is now. You know, and we know there's bugs in it now that pop up every once in a while. But you know, that's after twelve years of development, and this this isn't even twelve days. All right, guys. Uh, we used to put this at the front of the race. I guess y'all decided to cover it a little bit later, maybe because it's not one of the main season events. But the Coke race. Uh, Coke season's kicked off with the clash this weekend, Mike and Brian. Well, it's a non-points event. Uh, we were we we're going to have Evan uh, come on and uh, discuss it with us again, like last year, but he was not available this week, but did pledge to uh, get with us on the Daytona week uh, coming up. So let's talk a little, a few notes about the event. Uh, the entire race was really a race of yeet or be yeeted. Uh, the heat races and the the consolation didn't have any cautions, and when and and someone was usually getting sent most of the time. I mean that's how passes were getting made and that kind of thing. So heat one, Garrett Lowe wins. Uh, Ryan Luza was able to set sail to win the second heat with ease, and then a rookie statement made by Timothy Holmes that he dominates uh, heat three. Uh, it was pure chaos in the 40-lap consolation. Uh, Parker Retzclaff and Garrett Maines were battling for the lead amongst lap traffic. Uh, top seven would advance. Uh, Keister ended up seventh, and he did what he had to do. It was like bar rules. I mean, he was eighth. I don't remember who, who got uh, sent, but somebody definitely got sent uh, for him to get to, tr to the transfer spot. On to the main event. Guess what? It's Casey Kerwin, our current champion, and he won the L.A. Coliseum last year as well. So second time winner in the L.A. Coliseum and our returning champ uh, gets it done. Yeah, I was watching this. Uh, I knew we weren't going to get a special event on it. I beat that horse to death earlier this year. But um, yeah, I thought, man, for sure I open. I hop on and it's not not there. You want to give up your I rating in SR? You know, at a point, who cares? Let's just have fun. But uh, now I did watch a lot of it, and I was curious on the passing, and you were you were pretty spot on. Watching this in person last year, um, that's how they were making their passes. They they The dive bombs you can see coming all the way down the straightaway. Um, I remember specifically Austin Sindrick last year. Um, but, yeah, so it'll be – I'll be out there again this Sunday and see how it goes. Well, you, you nailed it on the head on why I'm not going to ride it, brace it, because it's not going to be fun. It's going to be a caution every two laps. Exactly. I mean, this is a track. Uh, this is half the size of Martinsville, and Martinsville is sixty to seventy percent cautions whenever you race there. So uh, there's just no way that the you know, and these guys are are the best of the best, and they're and they're just and they're doing this. Can you imagine what the what the uh, what the rubes like us will be like on there? Oh my god! And you guys are absolutely right, and they probably know that, and that's why it's not a race. I like this event. It's non-point. It gives those rookies coming in a chance to race with the veteran drivers in the Coke series. And, you know, the first time to kind of mix it up on track together, uh, who's rubbing who, 
you know, who's going forward, who's going backwards, who's wrecking who. Uh, I think it's a neat way to start the season. Yeah, speaking of the the uh, recklessness, I mean, even the real racers in, last year in the Cup Series were were dumping people left and right. Larson uh, hip checking uh, Haley last year was pretty impressive. Hip checking right into the inside wall. I think you didn't want to be on the outside most of the race. If you got to the inside, you were hip checking the guy to the wall. So you always wanted to be on the inside from what I saw in this race. Well, we were talking just a minute ago about how sim is this new game going to be. And Alfredo posted a video, uh, another simulation versus reality video that really just shows how sim iRacing is because I've seen video after video after video both in oval and road where you can basically see a real life racer driving on iRacing and then in his car and basically looking the exact same about the only thing that that makes me be able to tell it uh, which one is not iRacing is the fact that his windshield's so dirty it's dirty and I got a crappy crappy camera he's using in real life there catching all that light but yeah you're right david perfect but this is to the story we did before the lap time is perfectly matched in this xfinity car from sim to reality and the new bmw you know sim to reality we're four seconds off so i really hope they uh, take some of that data and make some adjustments well they will and like like the guy said in the in the replies they, they don't have a whole lot of data yet and Additionally, they don't have the hybrid system working the same, so they'll, they they always they're always making adjustments, both both on the balance of power and 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 whenever they get more data. But that's for, that's the first time they have real race data. Next up, Mike, we have a teaser for a new track, and somebody says they think it's Rainbow Road. I'm I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, so we got a picture put out. I think it was today of uh from iRacing that shows the scan and it's all in purple colors uh like it's a heat signature uh picture or something like that uh but you can see the scoring pylon you can see the stands and some of the track and uh it's very obvious that this track is circuito de jerez um and that is a uh, racetrack that is in spain yeah, it's used a lot for MotoGP. I was actually against it being Jerez earlier today, and I'm I'm because that hairpin doesn't look at look the right angles. Um, but I, I'm pretty convinced now that it is Jerez, Jerez. So this is our second Spanish track, right? We got uh, this one and the uh, what's the other F1 track from Spain? Barcelona. Barcelona, Barcelona right? Well, good. And and so do F1 race at Jerez? I don't I don't know. No. Okay. So who races there? You said grand, uh, the motorcycles, right? MotoGP. Yeah. I mean, they race cars there, but F1, um, I mean, F1 could go there, but they, they just haven't yet. Now is iRacing going to Europe and scanning this track or how are they getting the scan? I don't know. I don't think we've, we figured that one out. I, are they buying the scan? I know they bought one when it was the uh, Red Bull track, right? I imagine they probably bought the scan because I, I feel like this was on Project Cars, so I think it exists somewhere. Though they, there's not as much restriction travel now, so I mean they'll they'll do it probably though when, when they think it's cost effective if they can trust the data. 
But you know what? With them posting this picture like that and seeing that data like that a million times in other aspects, I mean, that could very well be their scan data that they're showing us. That's a good point. If if they did buy it, you know, it might be inappropriate to show, uh, you know, the data or the, you know, the unfinished product before it's finished. I don't know. All right. Next up, we have a post from Overtake where they're showing somebody's heart rate as they're sim racing. Now, this person is really getting to it because I've posted some of these before and my heart rate will get up to about 110, 120, but I am also actually in pretty good shape. So I guess the the wheel is not that much of a workout, but I've, ne I've, I've never had my heart rate get all the way up to 160. Or is that 116? I think that's a 160, isn't it? Yeah, somewhere between 140 and 160 is where he uh, says his beats per minute were for the 2.4 hours of Daytona sim race. While when he was doing a heavy bag punching for one hour, his heart rate was below 140. And when he did a 30-minute morning exercise, he was around, uh, it looks like, 110 to 120. Have you guys punched a heavy bag? That's a workout if you're actually doing it for an hour. Yeah, when I'm powerlifting, I'll, I'll peak between 120 and 140 uh, on, on my rate. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not saying I don't buy this, but I'm, I'm with I don't buy like, it. My heart rate is usually resting in the 60s, and to get to 160, i got to be doing something fun. Well... Sim racing's fun, but I don't think I'm getting to 160. I mean, I think I'm getting to 120, 130 maybe uh, at the most. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure my heart rate is a little bit elevated because I'm focused. I'm breathe. Sometimes I'm holding my breath a lot, especially like on a, a Dover. <laughs> you know, you're you're breathing on the on the the back stretch and the front stretch only. At least that's what I do. Uh, sometimes at Bristol, I do that. And so, yes, my heart rate is elevated, but I don't think I'm, I'm like a hundred percent sure it's not above 140. I'll do it for Daytona this. Th I'm curious now, but, um, I'll, I'll be honest. My wife has caught me when I'm racing and uh, she'll videotape me from behind. Cause she'll hear my breathing change during different aspects of the race. And I know plate racing for me, especially for up front, can be pretty stressful. And, um, there's times where I'll hold my breath, just like you're saying, and, and, uh, she can hear something like just not right. She'll come and start videotaping. It's kind of funny, but and ridiculous at the same time now he may have the force feedback turned up at such a high rate that he is actually really working his forearms um but like i said i i usually settle around 110 one maybe 110 120 and and 100 if i'm if i'm running a race i'm gonna, pay now, attention I'm, gonna now. I'm gonna digress just a hair because this reminds me of uh, something i was doing last night during the uh winter nis is I had nobody was in the house, so I was cranking the sound, and I turned on my decibel meter on my iPhone, and um, I was peaking at 130 decibels, with the average peak around 120 decibels. Now I have these headsets on protecting my my hearing, and the headset, the only thing coming through it is the spotter and the driver chat. Uh, but it was just screaming. I just had that baby just screaming. It sounds like a, a, a an engine, you know, underneath you and and I told the people in the room, man, this is immersion, man. We, I think everyone's missing out on how much immersion you're missing from sound alone. Um, we all wear headsets, and it's not too bad with a headset, or if you have computer speakers and you're playing it softly. But it's not the same when you have when you can feel the sound, you know, going right into you. It's not immersion until your neighbors are immersed with you. That's right. Damn it.
Right. I'm in an apartment, so I have to be a little bit careful, but I still feel I still feel the sound with my butt kicker combined with the headphones. Well, that's the thing. The butt kicker with the loud sound. I mean, it just all clicks together and it's like, wow, this is awesome. Goal anyway. streams one day. So so Mike, when you have it that loud, um, are you able to chat at all? I mean, there's no way you can chat, right? Interestingly, I don't, I think people hear me just fine. I think the mic is directional enough and probably sounds like Tom works. Cruise in days of thunder, just yelling the whole time. Yeah. Mike's always right. clear on the mic when, when he's on team speak anyway. But remember I have a, that $500, you know, 12 inch living room woofer hooked to LFE out of the sim. It's not even hooked to the regular audio output. It's hooked directly to LFE. So I'm gotten some crazy stuff going out of that sub. And then I got my, my Harman Kardon computer speakers, just like I said, screaming at 120, 130 decibel. All right. Let's see if we can hear you talk a little bit about Woo Week 10, Brian. All right. So, yeah. So this is championship week for uh, World Outlaws on, on Monday night at the, uh, the track at Charlotte. Um, coming into the race, uh, Alex Bergeron held like about a 30 point lead over second place, uh, Tyler Shell. And, um, you know, that seemed like a pretty comfortable lead for, for a driver the caliber of Bergeron. Well, well, Shell actually wound up uh, qualifying second and winning his heat. So he was starting the feature on the outside pole. Well, Bergeron had a terrible uh, qualifying run. He started, he started uh, P6 on his uh, heat race and he did not get in the top four. So he did not even transfer to the main event, which put him into the uh, LC Q last chance qualifier, which he had to finish first or second just to make the main. So, um, so that was really interesting to watch because, you know, you're like this, this, this whole thing could be, the whole race could be mute if, if, if uh, Bergeron doesn't make it out of the last chance qualifier. Well, he wound up uh, running away with the win in his LCQ, which started him in um, 17th place in the feature. So uh, uh, Tyler Shell was starting in second. Uh, Bergeron was starting in 17th. And that was a, a big enough gap uh, that um, – that Shell was going to have the um, championship points lead uh, virtually as the race started. Alex really would need to come up through the field quite a bit or have uh, Tyler Shell have some problems. So um, as the race went on, uh, Bergeron did make up some spots early. He got into the top, top eight and uh, was running. And there was a point where it was awesome because uh, – Bergeron was in a group of three or four drivers going three wide in these turns. And, you know, he get by two on and he would the championship lead and then he would fall back. And then, uh, and then shell would lose a spot or two. And then Bergeron would be back on top of the points lead. So it was crazy like that, uh, for about five or six laps where, um, where you just didn't know how it was going to end. It could have been like down to the very last position. Um, but, um, but a little later in the run, uh, Bergeron actually lost a little speed. He fell back to 10th, and, and Tyler Shell actually wound up uh, getting past the leader and winning the race uh, in, a, in a really close finish with uh, James Edens. So, um, so with that was his first win of the series, of the season, I should say. So he wins his, the very last race, which he almost had to win to take this championship, and with Bergeron falling to 10th, he sure did. So made up a huge gap in points on the last race. Um, uh, Bergeron got zero points in the heat by not qualifying. Um, 
And uh, man, it was just a really fantastic race. All congratulations to Tyre Shell for uh, for taking this victory. He he had a great last race when all the money chips were on the table. He really came through and and, and won this race. So uh, in that race itself, it was uh, Shell first, Edens in second, and uh, third place went to. Uh, Aiden Forster, uh, and the championship points wound up like this with uh, Tyler Shell on the top of the points with uh, Alex Bergeron finishing eight points behind him uh, for second place, and Timothy Smith finished the season in place and points. Really, really great race. Uh, I probably didn't do it justice how exciting it was, but you know, you can you can always go back to iRacing's YouTube channel and, and watch it for yourself. It was it was quite a quite a race. The guys did an excellent job calling it. So if you're Alex Bergeron, do you want the spotter telling you, dude, you need one more spot? You, you know, to get into the championship, dude, you just lost it. You, that one spot was, well, we need that back. Do you want, you know, do you want that in your ear every lap? No. Yeah, probably not. It's probably just, you, you just know you got to make up as many positions as you can. It doesn't, you know, you, you know, you're going for as many positions as you can. Well, Alex knew he, he had uh, probably lost his championship when he didn't do well in the heat. Right. I mean, the the it was stacked against him at that point. Yeah, but I think I, I probably think that he figured once he started moving up the field in the feature, when he started seventeenth was in the top ten, he might have thought, you know, I really got a good chance because you know if he finished in the top seven, it didn't matter where Tyler Shell finished, he was going to win, and he was getting close to that P seven position, and then uh, it just kind of lost it at the end. I don't know if he overdrove or what, but he just kind of lost it and and uh, and couldn't couldn't make up that ground. It's been a really good season, Brian, uh, talk, listening to you each time talk about these races. And it's been very competitive. I would say ultra competitive with different people winning. Our champion not even winning till the final race. I mean, uh, there were a lot of people throughout the season that ran well. Yeah, and and Smith had a really good season. He he was a points leader for a little while. Um, he was another one who didn't win until I think week eight, and he was uh, and he was was in the points lead like that. Um, uh, James Eden had a great season. Uh, he was he won the most races, but he's had too many issues. You know, I, I would say that James Eden is pro has probably the best speed overall if he can just stay out of trouble. Right. Well, now that we've wrapped up the dirt season, we also have uh, Porsche Tag Heuer coming up, Brian. Yeah, so it's it starts this weekend the Porsche Tag Heuer uh, Super Cup Series. Um, so D uh, Diego Pinto was uh, last year's winter winner. He's back. Um, Sebastian Job is uh, also back. Um, he finished P two last year. Um, I think it's going to be a great season with these two guys because. Um, Job had a had a good second half of the season, but he just wasn't good early. Um, he had some issues early in the season and lost a lot of points, and he just couldn't make it up by the end. and And Pinto was just was very solid every week, just good finishes after good finishes. So uh, lo looking forward to this series. It's it's always it's always been a really um, competitive season, especially since some of the Coanda guys uh, left that that were really dominant. And uh, so yeah, so it's good racing and the Porsche series coming up starting this weekend. Yeah, um, have that. they're going to have the sorry, Donnie. They're going to have the All Star series, which is like the pre event. 
they say returning Emily Embring Jones, who was the title winner last year, uh, is returning, as well as other newcomers to the series, such as Basic Ollie, Dave Cam, our favorite guy, Dave Cam, uh, Love 46, and Kenny 500, uh, Tony Canon as well. Other Porsche Motorsports drivers from real racing, including junior Lauren Heinrich from Germany. And uh, I think Will Ford was racing that last year from Boosted Media. He was in it a couple times. Um, so uh, I think Jimmy Broadbent was in there uh, a few races at least. So uh, it's cool that they're bringing in not just the you know the top tier um, iRacers, but some of the uh, content creators that we all know and love. So that's really cool too. Yeah, I like it as like a warm up event for the actual event. But um, two hundred thousand prize pool for the 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 cup or not the cup series, but the the main Porsche series. So that's pretty cool. It's not far off that major sim that's supposed to come out later this month. But but uh, two hundred thousand is not bad. And if you want to read up on this, uh, overtake.gg and newsroom.com both have really good season previews that uh, you can really get into before before the races fire up again. All right, and it looks like we're kind of sort of moving into the event section now, starting with the BMW Sim Cup. Cup. <laughs> wow. Almost need to cut that one out. That's a oh, title boy. idea. <laughs> wow. What a what a mess up there. That one's hilarious. We'll have to leave that one in, actually. The BMW M, uh, Sim Cup, and it kicks off this weekend with new cars, categories, prize money, and schedule. It shows up to more than $45,000 worth of prize money. Obviously, it's going to be running the LMDH now with the GT3 um, BMW. There's a send race season schedule that kicks off this weekend with Daytona, and there's just one split uh, one one start time, uh, and it is at what was it two o'clock uh, Central European time. Tom Dryling had asked our group, you know, who wants to run this with him. I don't know if he got any takers. Well, it's seven a.m. on Sunday mornings, basically for us. Well, seven a.m. Central, so eighty. It's eight a.m. Eastern on Sunday mornings. So that's that's kind of a maybe. It's a it's kind of spread out, so I'm, I might talk to him. We also have uh, another event coming up we'll talk about in a second. It's running Daytona, Sebring, Red America, uh, Nuremberg GP, which is a fun track. That's the short track. Uh, Watkins Glen, Spa, Fuji, Road Atlanta, and a TBA, and Suzuka. Remember, we said last week the TBA might be Monaco, or that's what some people were thinking. Or that other track that we just talked about. Yeah, maybe it's the Jerez. <laughs> <laughs> Be so strange if Monaco's is just a oh, here's Monaco. Yeah, you would think they would make a big deal out of release of Monaco. Well, while we're hitting the events, we also have the Bathurst 12 coming up. It's going to be the same starting times. It's going to be at Mount Panorama. GT3 cars only this time. License D Road, and it starts February 5th. Any of us running it? Uh, I will be. Whether I don't know if uh, anybody else from here is running it, or if I'll end up uh, teaming up with some Mad Sim guys. What car Isn't are you running? It's a race that Greg usually starts and then wrecks out shortly after, and then you never finish. Uh, that was actually in the uh, yeah the other one, the thousand, the one thousand, which is in the yeah the box. thousand yeah. Uh, it's a it's a tough unforgiving track because. Um, you know, it's all up in the hills going up and down the mountain. If you miss your car, 
you, there's no going off track. You, you miss and you're in a wall. I can attest to this. I was actually leading at Bathurst for the first time in the skip barber car. And I, I screwed up going down the hill and put it in the wall and lost the, the win. It sucked. And don't as far as to which car I'm running, I don't know yet. There, it's um, I guess there's not a whole point in deciding which one's going to be OP because they're going to turn around and be OP it anyway. But um, it'll kind of depend on what what the other guys want to run. I do like the new Merc. It's pretty drivable, uh, so that's a pretty good possibility. The cast housekeeping. Leave us a review of your favorite on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for other listeners to find us. Mention that podcast to your other fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Join the discussion on our Discord channel and our website, iRacersLounge.com. We are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network and iRock TV on Roku TV. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, next up we got hardware uh, sponsored by Metro Ford. Um, The first one we've got, what's this, what's this? It's not a formula wheel. It's a WRC TCR wheel. Tell us a a little bit about it, Mike. Well, it's modeled after the Hyundai i30 uh, World Rally Car, like uh, Ken Block kind of thing, along with the i30 TCR cars made in Simline's own style with good electronics based on PCB and enclosed in an aluminum housing. Big old button box on an oval wheel, basically. Yeah, and um, I mean, it's actually, well, at least if as far as an oval wheel, it's a, sometimes it can be a little bit easier to get to those buttons because most of them are going to be out of your thumb reach, right? Yeah, this oh. isn't quite as big as a, a NASCAR oval rim. Uh, it's not deep dish either, but I saw something very similar to this on um, a rally car not too long ago here in, in town, and I didn't even think it was a thing, but here I'm seeing it now. So I wonder if you could put this on any wheel you want, or does it come with the wheel? Looks like it comes with the wheel. 578. Now, I can't see paddles. Does it have paddles? Oh. Yeah, there's paddles on it. They show a backside of it. And yeah, I mean, it's it's not a deep dish, so the paddles will be there. So I, I want to see paddles on a, on a deep dish to see what that's going to look like and feel like. But uh, yeah, no, I, I don't hate this wheel. 458 euros. What are the... Uh... The little white boxes next to the push button, are those just for labels, or the, what are those? I think labels, because it's all backlit. Yeah, labels. It comes with the label sheet, um, all the mounting hardware and the cable. Yeah, labels for sure. So this is, yeah. uh, it says new steering wheel, so it's a new item, apparently. Yeah, they're having now, the... I think, sorry, Donnie, I was going to say the manufacturer appears to be SimLine, and it's sold, though, at raceanywhere.co.uk. Thanks, up, Donnie. We've got a review of some hydraulic sim pedals. Yeah, so this is Asatec's hydraulic uh, pedals, the Invicta Hydraulic. 
Um, the Sim Racing Den offered their review of the Asatec and Invicta hydraulic pedals. Um, they look nice. Uh, they don't look like your traditional uh, hydraulic pedal set, uh, but this is Asatec uh, coming out with all their products, it seems like, over the last few months. But uh, like everything else they've put out, um, looks pretty good, but we'll um, see how it works going in the future. It's a different design with the hydraulic, like I mentioned, but I, it doesn't look bad. Oh, one thing that's come out in these review videos is when you're using the pedals and your heel is on the heel plate, there's like a lip there where the heel plate kind of ends and the the rest of the pedal begins. There's a, it kind of goes up. You see it kind of angle up there. And apparently as you're pushing on the pedal, you know, and letting it go and your heel is transitioning off of the heel plate onto the other piece and it can feel awkward, says the uh, reviewer. Yeah, um, in the video rips his shoe off, but I'm looking at that heel plate and it, it's like a ramp. It like ramps up to the pedal. Mine, Mine's a 90 degree and it just stops my foot from moving. This one looks like it encourages your foot to move up towards the pedal. Right, like this, like you said, the seal uh, or the sole of his uh, shoe would literally kind of get caught in that little crack, and and this is such a problem with these particular pedals that I've actually seen over at, on the Etsy store at Sim Racing Gadget, I think is the name of it. He's actually developed a three D printed piece that inserts into the crack to eliminate the problem. Yeah, do you see what I mean by ramp? How it looks like it it ramps upward towards the pedal. So if you were to yeah, slip, it's a gonna, weird design yeah. <laughs> and you would that they would have designed it a little bit differently. Like all, you know, as soon as it gets out for reviewers, it's the first thing that everyone says, Oh, my heels get caught. My heels getting caught. I, I've had multiple people say this, not just one video. So, and then there's, like I said, I found a piece that somebody's selling just for the problem. So you think that they would have caught this during design and development, but, Honestly, this, this company came out of nowhere, it seemed like, and they put a lot of product out quickly. I could, with that, eh, I could just assume they put out a lot of product quickly. Now, I'm going to tease uh, some upcoming uh, for next week, but Dave Cam uh, has put out that he got their wheelbase, and he's going to be doing a review video on it shortly. So in the next week or two, we're going to hear from Dave Cam about what he thinks about their uh, direct drive wheel, at least. The pictures he put up of it mounted on his rig, I told him, man, it really looks good. It's got a good look to it. And these pedals really kind of have a good look to it, too. But looks aren't everything, right? Not always. <laughs> and it says the guy who pay, pay, buys everything based on how it looks. That's right. Point. All right, this next one looks pretty neat, especially if you're in the market for a sequential sifter. It's the S6 sequential sifter. It's compatible with the PC. It comes with a mounting plate, and it's plug-in, it's plug USB and play. Um, it's got a bolt plunger feedback mechanism. I don't know what that means. Its shifting type is micro switches, and it has a lever for a fast neutral gear. I'm guessing what this, that's what the extra little handle or lever on the end is, is, is for quickly switching to neutral instead of having yep. to jump through all this. I was, I was literally going to ask that, what that is for, until I saw that. And it is aluminum. It's 34 centimeters tall. I'm not going to convert that to inches. It's 13.3 uh, inches. I was going to go six, but... 260 euro. Yep, they'll also quote you your shipping if you, if you ask them. 
It looks I like, like it. It's, it's a standard look that I see on a lot of sequential shifters, which is basically a lever, right? Yeah, there's not a whole lot to them, especially internally. But this fan, I don't want to say this Fanatec, I got to probably replace soon. So I'm gonna, I'm in the market. I don't know if I want to go overseas for sequential, but I don't know. I'll be looking for one soon, maybe. You know, I can't uh, recommend enough the Russian uh, Aologs, A I L O G S. You know, the one I have, you saw it, Donnie. It's, it's pretty small, and but it, it's got a good feel to it. So when you switch gears, it feels like you're on a real sequential shifter. At least it does to me. And they have a matching handbrake if you wanted to get both. Um, but yeah, I can't recommend them enough. This looks like a decent unit, but um, it doesn't have like the box like mine does, you know, that the handle goes into. It just goes right down to a mounting bracket, basically. Um, so it's pretty straightforward. Not a terrible price, though. All right, let's jump into some software, Mike. SemiCube 2 Test Drive has been released. Or True Drive, not Test Drive, True Drive. Yeah, I was hoping this was the release I was waiting for, like the big one that they they teased when they released their active pedals. But no, it's not a major update. It's a minor update. I did install it. I didn't have any problems. Uh, it came out, I think, January 13th. So I just wanted to point out to everybody with the SimiCube, hey, uh, time to update your uh, software. Yeah, and they've got some releases actually going back to 22. So this is not brand new software. It's just an update, I'm guessing. Yeah, minor update. I didn't uh, notice any differences, really. Yeah, it looks like a lot of bug fixes and adjustments. And this one is also right up your alley, Mike, because you're always our FOV guy. So go ahead and take this one. Yeah, I found some good uh, nuggets on FOV that I thought were pertinent uh, from none other than, I think, David Tucker from the staff. Uh, he wrote, so the rule of thumb is you want your monitor just a touch closer to your face than it is wide. Naturally, a smaller monitor is going to be closer to your face. 27-inch monitors are about the smallest you could get and still get hit the 180 degrees and and do that, you probably need to compromise on your seating position by sitting more upright and closer to the wheel than you probably would want to normally. And then also watch out for aspect ratios when it comes to picking triples. You really want a square, you want as square an aspect ratio as possible. If you can't find them anymore, you can't find them anymore, but the older four by three monitors were perfect for triple monitors. Uh, because they give a high uh, vertical FOV. But uh, going with an ultra-wide monitor setup would result in a very short vertical FOB, FOV, and you would be completely unable to see the dash. So when you're thinking triples, I mean, if you're doing triple ultra-wides, you got to remember you're sacrificing that vertical FOV, which is just as important. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I have 27-inch uh, monitors, and I think... I'm 26 and a half inches away. My ball is from the screen. So that's pretty spot on from what he's saying in that top paragraph. Yeah. And then it, and then the angle of your left and right, Donnie, is, is going to be really just how close you can get the, your eyeball to that screen. Like you said, you're right at 26 and a half, but if you could get it to 24, you could really angle in the left and right even more than they are now. That's but you got to do what's comfortable. Yeah, I'm at 60 degrees for my side monitors. I feel that's okay. I think I'm 54. 
I did get to see what it looks like to sit in a triple monitor rig over at Bobby's. However, it's hilarious the difference in our size there, and I, I, I basically barely reach his pedals. Well, the, wasn't your eyeball not in the center of his monitor, but at the no. bottom of his monitor? At, at the bottom as well. Yeah, Bobby. Bobby's tall, tall, very tall. Were you able to see over his wheel? Yeah, it was, it was funny though. That it would be if we ever did like a 24-hour Le Mans, would, we'd almost have to swap the seat or I'd have to throw in a, a child booster when, when I'm racing with him. Anyway, uh, Brian, it's not an it's not a Iris' last podcast without a formula wheel these days. That's right. And we got another one this week. This is no different. So uh, this one is from a company called VPG Sim. It's a, it's a UK uh, British company. Um, and we're looking at the new VRSPG Pro uh, formula wheel. So um, it's a, it's got the LCD screen on it. Um, lots of buttons. Um, there's a regular VRSPG that um, this is very similar to, except it's got a lot of the um, the backlit uh, LED stuff on it, which is really cool around the buttons and the and the switches. Uh, nice, comfortable looking grip to it. Um, it's running at fourteen forty nine uh, pounds, fourteen hundred and forty nine pounds. Um, you can specify whether you want uh, blue lights or or white lights, and then you for extra twenty five pounds, you can actually get custom uh, lighting uh, LED lighting on it, which is pretty cool. One thousand four hundred forty nine euros. Or is it pounds? It's pounds. It, yeah. Okay. And this is a, a refinement of their original uh, wheel, as you mentioned, and they're calling it the Pro. So six months later, they got different grips or new grips based on driver feedback. Um, they got you know SIM hub supported display, and I really like those those red rotary buttons. Man, those look solid, don't they? Yeah, I mean, these all a lot of these wheels are just so so nice looking. They all look, look really good. Um, you know, I I wouldn't even know where to start if I was in the market for one of these. That's the thing. There's so many to choose from. It's just like, oh my god, where do you look? You They're all have... about the same price. Yeah, start with your budget, and then whatever your budget hits. Do you want a screen? Do you not want a screen? All right, talking about budget. How about this next one, David? This one's hilarious. Um, why go buy some eighty twenty if if you've recently had a kid that's just outgrown their their uh, cradle? You can actually just turn the take all the material from the cradle and turn it into a rig. In fact, at the beginning of this video, you can hear the child's voice, and then and then he shows uh, the build where he basically takes all the parts, basically takes the wood from the cradle and repurposes it into a rig. It's kind of forming the one seating style, and it, it, it's pretty neat, except for the sad little monitor that he's running with the rig. You know, it's actually pretty spectacular. He's running Logitech pedal and wheel, so there's probably not going to be a whole lot of feedback to rip that thing apart. But you know what? This gives me inspiration for when I finally buy that jet I've been looking for. That this will probably be the rig I'll be able to afford to put in there. But you know, to start, I mean, that's heck, man. That's maybe a hundred dollars at Lowe's to to pick up. So you're going to put a $100 rig in a $41 million jet. Well, the, the jet took all my money. So. That's almost, that's almost like, we left. It's like when Mike won't buy a track. Buy the $10 even, track. Even though he has a $10,000 rig. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. 
This was like an IKEA rig, really, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, but watching it, it work the pedals, it was it was great. The thing looked awesome. So it's actually not a crib, but a, a child's bed. And you yeah, can like get it at bed. IKEA and it's called Critter with a K. So if you go to IKEA and order Critter, you can recreate this. And what's neat at the end is he painted it and everything, and it looks like a, a Red Bull. Yeah, exactly. Except for instead of bull, there's a sheep because the bed on the headboard of the bed are two little fluffy uh, sheep um, in there. And he actually he actually cut them out and repurposed them and put them on the rig to make it, it look where the bull logo would be. I, I, it's time we change our team name to Red Sheep Racing. Red Sheep. That's a good one. Yeah, I like that. But this guy, he's got a lot of videos where he does not just simulator stuff. He just repurposes things and, and very creative and very handy. It's pretty cool with some of the other stuff that he did. Right. I went to look at his channel, Brian, to see what else he does. And he's not a sim racer by any means. He doesn't have anything video related to racing or sim racing. It's like you said, he he builds stuff. He repurposes uh, you know, furniture into different things, basically. That monitor makes a lot of sense now. All right, Ryan, we've got another Thrustmaster direct drive wheel review with this funky-looking base. Yeah, this is uh, OC Racing. Um, we've done, we've looked at a couple other reviews on this uh, Thrustmaster. Um, so I, I, ha I, you know. The biggest thing that we've taken from all of these reviews is the mounting option. And so we'll, we'll, we'll nail them one more time for this. The mounting, it doesn't mount to any normal standard rig. So you got to either custom something, start drilling through your aluminum or have to fork out an extra 30 bucks for their mounting plate adapter. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't check out the rest of the review, but, um, Judging from the previous reviews we've seen, um, most people have been fairly happy with this this wheelbase, other than the mounting issues. Okay. Driving, it's fine, according to the, the two videos. And the second video we found this week was Carl Gosling, uh, Donnie's favorite guy. And I think both OC and Carl, uh, you know, in summary, they're saying, look, this might be a good buy if you're already in the Thrustmaster ecosystem. Like you have a bunch of Thrustmaster wheels already and you want to be able to reuse those. By all means, you know, upgrade to this Thrustmaster direct drive. But if you're not in the ecosystem, yeah, there's so many other options like the Moza 9 and the CSLDD that are in competition with this that you should pick one of those others is what they basically say. This just has the look of a really nice console wheelbase that you'd put on a desk in front of a monitor and you'd throw your Xbox on. Room. Yeah. And some of the other uh, some of the other views had had issues with the buttons on the side of the uh, base, especially if you you know if you got a big oval wheel or something on it, it's not easy to reach those buttons. Um, I'm sure those guys mentioned that too, right? Yeah, I think uh, it was Will from Boosted Media mentioned that last week, actually. But um, I think Carl went over that as well. I mean, Carl w went over the uh, fit and finish of the uh, unit, and and they talks about what Barry talked about from Sim Racing Garage, which is it's a the pla It's not just a plastic, but like a a carbon fiber injected plastic or some kind of fiber injected, where it makes it like a a real super hard plastic. So, you know, when you throw out the word plastic, people usually take that with a negative tone, but 
everyone I've said is like, it's like good plastic. <laughs> and I think the other thing Carl mentioned was in the uh, quick release, the lack of metal versus plastic is a little bit of a problem for him. All right, Donnie, what does Dave Cam tell us about sim racing purchasing? Yeah, he just gives us his advice, a new video from him this week on sim racing purchases uh, he's made throughout his time and advice he gives on what you guys could do differently in the future. Um, just another awesome video by, by Dave. And it's kind of hard. It's hard to think about this sometimes because we're all in a different place. You know, we might have started this hobby, you know, at a different time in our life. Some started in, in another time. And if I can go back, there's not a whole lot I would change because I didn't know anything. But I, I'm dealing with it with my my son now and um, trying to trying to guide him in the right directions when he wants this, when I he probably should have this instead type of thing. Um, but ah, no, it's another good good video from him. It's kind of the yeah, follow-up to the last one, basically. Yeah, exactly. This is this came from his last last video where he went through how much money he spent over the years on this, and and he basically uses that information to try to help people out without you know spending as much as he did by making certain mistakes. And you know he goes he goes from the from the entry level to uh, what 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 to upgrade to make the biggest differences. You know he recommends if your first very first. Uh, a sim purchase as far as wheel and panel goes he basically says get something cheap just don't just just make sure that's something you want to do before you go hog wild with with uh spend a lot of money and then uh and then he goes through what upgrades he was gonna um to recommend and i thought it was really interesting that the first thing he said up, that he recommends upgrading is uh the pedals because it, it, you know it's just the, just having good pedals is what can make the biggest um biggest um, improvements in your driving uh so and then he goes from there it's, it's a really good video as usual yeah the get something cheap is really good starting advice not only because you might get out of it but also you're not going to know what you're missing as you're first learning the sim and sim craft and and all of that so and not, not until you've really taking taken the cheaper wheel and pedals to its limits are you going to be able to tell and see a benefit from from the upper level equipment right you'll know when it's time to change equipment i mean you just know yeah we all agree that pedals is probably the most important thing you you upgrade to first pedals rig yeah. then rim uh, yeah dave uh, did give uh an order to it you know and he did say pedals first i don't think he said rig second though i think he went to uh wheel next yeah, but he one one thing he did say about the rig was definitely he recommends using the aluminum profiles just because they're customizable. Um, he had one that was a steel tube type and uh, just couldn't customize it at all. So uh, he, and he wound up getting a P1X, I think, and so he's been really happy with it. And uh, he can just customize it however he wants as he as he does make these upgrades. It can be changed changed around. You're not getting out of your pedals what you can get out of them if your if your seat's not stable. I guess as far as the rigging go, because I used to race in a with with a uh, you know an office chair, and there were times not only did I have to adjust the office chair position, but the pedals would also occasionally move on me, right? Um, so that's why I say rig first, or at least stability on the pedals, because if your pedals and your seat position are not stable your pedals are being wasted. 
All right, uh, Brian, did they fix the VSR Direct Force? Yeah, this is uh, from Boosted Media, Will, Will Ford again. Um, so he actually reviewed the uh, VRS um, Direct Drive Pro DD a, a while ago, and he was not unimpressed and um, just was not happy with it at all. And Fidelity and all kinds of issues and, uh, apparently they had some good uh, some firmware updates and uh, he actually thinks that it's a much more much better a much more um, uh, comparable uh, wheel now or, or base to um, to what's out there on the market so he thinks they did a really good job getting this thing in uh, much better than his first review of it a few years ago yeah this was my number one ended up being my number two. Obviously, I went with SimiQ, but uh, I put it number one because Barry's video is very positive about it, and the price was right. I think it's only like seven ninety five um, to to purchase it here. But I don't know where they come from. I don't. I've never tracked down where VRS is is located. But um, I don't know. I just always like the look of it. You do have to hook those giant cables up to the side and have that um, the box, you know, separate from it. But um, I don't know. I was always a fan of it. Never got to try it though. Yeah, so kudos to Will to give it a second shot. You know what I mean? If you give one a review early on and it's not great, to come back to it, you know, after some firmware updates, software updates, see if, see what's different. And and like you said, Brian, it, it certainly changes to the positive, um, you know, and, and this is certainly a viable option in the many different, you know, direct drive wheels that are out there. Yeah, this is actually the second week in a row that Will's done um, retests of wheelbases that he wasn't like super high on. Uh, if you remember last week, he re he retested all the uh, Fanatec uh, DD1 and DD2 after their firmware um, updates, and uh, he said had some positive things to say about about the improvements on that too. All right, this next one I want to rename. The uh, title Brian put in here is the hideaway rig, but I think it should be called the Harry Potter rig because it's basically hid in a closet underneath the stairs. It could be called Fry Your PC Rig unless he gets enough airflow in there. Now, there are fans. Oh, he's got that fan in the back. Did you see that? Yeah, that big Yeah, and you, right at the beginning of the, the video, he, he shows a big hose, uh, ventilation hose, before he opens the door. So I think he's got some new ventilation. I can yeah. imagine if you close those doors, you could actually get your CO2 level a little too high in there. Yeah, I have a mild case of claustrophobia, actually probably a decent case of claustrophobia. And I don't know, if somebody shut those doors on me and I'm racing. You can't really do nothing about it. I don't well, I guess you would be distracted by running, but I like the idea. It's a good use of space. Look, I don't even like to keep my dock, my office door closed. And I'm in a pretty big room. Uh, with high ceilings. So I I can feel you, Donnie. I certainly wouldn't want to race in this. I think it would be super hot. You got to have airflow. I got to have fans blowing on me. I don't know if this would work for me. And would would your computer heat up too? Because it might not be getting enough air to keep cool. Well, do you see where it's at? It's it's uh, behind them. And I guess if you have front pull for the fans, and hopefully it's getting something from underneath. But But yeah, even sitting next to this cold window... My PC is right next to it. It still runs at its normal temp. It doesn't knock it down any. He probably just has to get Hermione to cast the spell PC Coolio. He does, you know, he's got a single monitor, but he's got a monitor above for timing and scoring for GRT. Uh, pretty cool. I like it. 
Yeah, it's it, inside of it is really cool looking. Um, it's too narrow for triples though. So that kind of stinks unless he uses VR. Um, he's going to be he's going to be limited to a single monitor. You're using VR. They can just shut the door on you whenever. Then I guess it wouldn't matter. Yeah. All right. This last one is for our friend Steve Thompson, who's been MIA from the show for a while. Uh, I understand he's working twelve or fourteen hour days and stuff. But uh, Steve, guess what? The SimiCube Active Pedal is for sale in the United States. I'm checking right now on the on the prices. Price still the same? Well, I haven't looked, but uh, there is a new Instagram video that we found today uh, from SimiCube showing that their products are now available in the U.S. via a new U.S. Uh, version of their website. All right, I'm on it now on sale for fifty nine seventeen. You can get the whole set. Um, and a single pedal will set you back about 2200 So I think that's about on par with what they came out with. It it's says just, free shipping on all orders. It's just so big. The, the pedal is so long. Is that what you mean? Yeah, the pedal. The pedal, the mounting platform, all of it. Now, when I go to click on it, it says available on a future date. All right, with that, we're going to jump to results. Let's talk winter NIS. And Friday at Talladega, I ran. And I don't want to talk about it, really. We'll just pretend this one didn't happen. Yeah, Did it you, was ugly. I, no, it was ugly. Let's, let's talk about what you talked about before you talk, before you ran it, though. Did, did you run all oh, That eight? was the, for the Wednesday race. Oh, that's right. We already talked about that last week. So I ran it Friday. And I was thinking, okay, this is my redemption, but I spun out on my own more than once. Now, the other thing I learned during this event is this car, the 87, has in-car adjustment. I didn't even realize where you adjust the rear spoiler angle, literally. 60 degrees, 50 degrees, 40 degrees, you can just change it at will. And I've learned that some of these people in their open set are increasing that so they have better downforce. And so I'm running the fixed set with a, uh, a lower spoiler. So maybe that's why I'm spinning out, but I ended up spinning out on my own twice. So I parked it, I was embarrassed. Those adjustments can only be made at pit stops, right? Yeah, you have to adjust and then stop, yep. Yeah, so it's a pit stop, not an in-car, but generally you wanna run the lowest downforce you can at the plate tracks. Yeah, I would, I would blow by them on the straights, but they would blow by me on the corners, basically. But then I couldn't, you know, after, you know, so long, I would just spin out because I could only hold it together for so long, I guess. I, I, I don't know, it, that car is hard. And uh, Talladega is just a thorn in my side with that car, I tell you. All right, moving on to Wednesday open at Phoenix, P17. I ran as high as P9 but didn't do tires on the last stop. It was a huge regret, and I faded to the last car one lap down, P17. I told you guys today, look, um, if I don't get a late caution in these races at Phoenix, I'm, I, I, if I get a late caution, I might be able to win the race. But if I don't get one, I, I'm, I'm pretty much hosed because I can't save tires, you know, um, that if my life depended on it, not at this track. At, at this track? 
I mean, it's really bad at this track is what I'm trying to say. It's like exaggerated. All right, moving on. Uh, I ran official Indie Pro F2000 at Spa. Qualified 10th out of 15. Actually got ran over from behind on turn one, lap one, but no damage and finished P6. Then the USF 2000 at Spa qualified fourth out of 13. I got wrecked out at the end on the long straight. Uh, when the guy behind us didn't even try to break for the corner and just like literally plowed in. I, I, I break, I turn in and, and he just came flying in from behind, you know, 40 mile an hour faster and just took me out. Donnie, Arca, Talladega, you were wrecked. Yeah, it's my only official race I think I've ran in a while since the roar and then the 24 those are my other only two but yeah uh, i heard that they were racing talladega saw some videos online so i thought i'd give it a go I haven't raced the arc car in a while and i just remembered it was the same crap as always everybody wants to bump draft you even though there's a million videos out there telling you not to bump draft at arc uh, with the arca car but other than that it was fun i wrecked is what it is okay winter league atlanta dnf i actually started dead last and I drove it right up to ninth place. And then I faded back to last before I parked. I actually felt kind of sick to my stomach. There were other people in my house who had the flu and I was fighting, trying to get it, I think. So I also, I couldn't even hear David on TeamSpeak even though he was in the same race. And so I was just frustrated and parked it. David, I didn't know you had the same race. I was on sound was up. sound was up too loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe that's it. I was on there, so I don't know why you couldn't hear me. And I didn't, I didn't have it muted, did I? 138 decibels. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I came in P20. Um, I just uh, got buggered on. I got snookered on fuel strategy. A lot of guys saved fuel and made it. It was a 100-lap race, and they all made it in 50 laps and split it in half. I went ahead and did it twice not thinking anybody could make it, but I should have known better when I'm running the same pace as Chandler for a whole run. Um, so I should have saved fuel, but yeah, I just got snuggered on the, on the pit, ran a clean race, no cautions, came in P20. Okay. And next, the big thing in our group chat over the last several days has been the major series. And you guys have run a lot of races. Yeah, I'm benefiting from the fact that we've been iced out all week. So I, as soon as I beat a, as I was driving back from Daytona, in fact, in Alabama, the temperature on my car reading was about 52. An hour later, as I as I get into Mississippi and start getting close to Memphis, it dropped all the way down to 31 within a, within a 60 miles of driving. Um, and then when I got home within an hour, it was ice. It was freezing rain. And we've been out of school all week. But I've, yeah, I've had the chance to go ahead and run a lot of pre-Q races. And currently I'm sitting with a first, fourth, fifth, and sixth as my top four races so far, which means I should be able to make top split pretty easily. Now you'll have to run those duels before the race, right? Yeah, you gotta be in the top 50 as far as the pre-qualify points to, um, to run the duels. And then in the duels, you just kind of finish in the front half of the pack, you know, to feel safe. Um, I think it's only the bottom eight that go to the second split or some, something like that. Um, it'll be, it'll, it'll be, it, it's, I like the format because it's forcing a lot of people to earn some experience in this kind of racing instead of it being the first time they've ever really done it at the 500. Right. And you just, so 
there's been a lot of stupidity, but at least that stupidity is happening now. Um, Y'all saw a video of the most recent stupidity that I just posted on, uh, in chat. It's just somebody who decided that they didn't care that there was a car on their side and just turned into them. But, um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't, I'm not terribly worried about it because I've, I've had some consistently good finishes. So now I'm just trying to add icing to the cake and get more practice. This is a nice format. Well, that's good to hear for come Saturday night for me, but I only signed up for four. I might have to rethink that. We only have a couple days left, but I ran my first two Sunday morning. I had to wake up at five to catch the 515 start. Could not find the race in league sessions. Didn't realize that I go to hosted, found hosted. Within a, like 30 seconds, I was able to register. Still had my qual set in, and I switched really quick over or uh, switched to my race set. But I happened to put Darlington. It was next to Daytona, and I could not understand why I was hitting the chip in the draft. It was driving me nuts. So I, I couldn't even keep up. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? And now I'm using an older set for Daytona anyway. Uh, so I pit pulled off. I wasn't gonna do nothing with that race anyway. And then I realized I was running Darlington set like a ding dong. Um, and then my second race. This is where I got to see what I wasn't happy about. And it's just like a lot of shenanigans. And I think David, you put it in the chat later on this week and I won't say it here, but you kind of explained to me why it's like that. And I, it kind of made sense watching some of the driving patterns out there on what these people are normally used to. Um, so I'm hoping tomorrow night I got two more. Uh, I might have to squeeze in three to get rid of that first race, but um, yeah, maybe three tomorrow somehow. Yeah, well, I'll say it. It's basically, particularly a lot of road racers who just don't do this. They don't have any experience really doing it. Um, so they're just not that good at it. They make a lot of really bad, bad decisions and just really don't know how, how you have to big picture race, even when you're small picture racing at this track. Yeah, usually we'll get our couple guys in, in a regular NIS race where that guy just can't hold a line, but it seemed like nobody was holding a line it was just uh, very frustrating but that was only one real race for me so hopefully tomorrow uh be a lot better and i'm just hoping by the race i don't want to invest my time and it being a complete you know waste of time well you'll get to run any any way you do um and if you're not worried about points you'll get to run no matter what you just might not make top split yeah i just don't want the race to be crap i want it to be a if you know a normal race <laughs> yeah yeah well, hopefully this this format it will help with that some. So when you run the big races, I might try to jump in and spot somebody. Now, I think Greg and uh, Tom and Bobby are also involved, right? Yep. I think Tom is going to make the duels with you. What about Greg? He's in pretty good shape too. And I think Bobby last night. I thought I heard saw him say that he's he's going to make it as well. As of earlier, yeah, he, he was sitting say, on the bubble. Ooh, the bubble. What's the number for the bubble? It's moving target because as people continue to push their points up, it's going to get, you got to get, it's top 50. So the, the, that's, that's moving. Now, uh, the mad sim guys team chat was saying they are expecting 24 or 23 to get in, but I'm, uh, as of this morning, I had 23 and a half and was sitting 15th overall in, in, in Pacific. So you know it was like 17 was still getting you in so it's but it's going to be a moving target as people continue to bring their scores up if they run more races and this format does give an advantage to the people who can run a lot and so i've taken advantage of the fact that i was off work and run a lot yeah i like it. it's fun the challenge coin looks fun that you can win okay let's jump to final thoughts brian mccubbin 
Um, so I, I've been working with Steve because I've been having problems with my um, with my uh, seat, uh, the G seat. One of the uh, it was um, not recognizing it on the computer. So um, I had I, I went over through um, a couple of sessions with those guys um, doing some tech um, tech stuff with me, trying to fix it for me. They couldn't. They had a hard time diagnosing it and. Uh, we wound up finding that one of the cords to one of the panels uh, was shorting out, and it shorted when when it was plugged in. Um, it would it shorted it. None of them, none of the uh, panels were recognized, and um, it took a little while to figure that out. And uh, and they sent me a new cord. I put it in last night, and man, it's working better than it ever has. I have a feeling that has been a, a problem for a long time. But um, I just want to shout out um, those guys. Uh, Alan, he uh, he really helped me out. Going, uh, spent a lot of time with me, um, getting everything set up, and uh, really, really appreciate their help. And that was uh, the from the guys from seat? yeah, the GS5 seat. Yeah, Donnie, that's a good alternative to motion. That GS5 seat, by the way. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. I've been very tempted for a long time for that GS5 seat, except for the fact that my regular bucket seat is so damn comfortable that I don't know if I want to give that up. Um, but yeah, there, it's a neat option. Speaking of rigs, if you, when you, when you get a rig, one of the things you'll notice is how much better your tailbone feels if you have a proper racing seat versus sitting in an office chair for three hours. Um, going down to Daytona, I'm glad I did it. Um, thank you to Bobby for hosting me. It was nice not having to worry about lodging. Uh, he also was able to uh, introduce me to a lot of people. I got to to go to out to dinner with all of the mad sim guys as well as operation motorsports guys i made a lot of contacts and i'm trying to set up some interviews with some guys from from a, one of the teams that ran in the race as well as the operation motorsports guys um so you'll hear a little bit about more of those as i'm able to line those up um it was a blast i have a ton of pictures of of, of the sports cars and and the track um it was fun uh, and I'm hoping for a good result here at the Daytona. This is not just Mike's bread and butter. I tend to do pretty good with the plate racing as well. All right. Very good. Donnie Spiker, final thoughts. Yeah, I'm excited for this weekend as well. It kind of feels like we have a speed weeks. We, we ran the roar, the Daytona 24. We have this majors 500. Then we're going to roll right into uh, the NIS 500 coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, made a CPU upgrade, how to do the motherboard as well. Um, going to the clash on Sunday. So hopefully that works out. I hate going to LA, but it is what it is sometimes. But in that, just uh, getting excited for NIS. Why howdy. So am I. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. He must not have made Greg. it back. Yeah. All right. My final thoughts, uh, man, I didn't race much this week um, because uh, my F2000 and my uh, Indy Pro F2000 cars are at some track i don't own long beach yeah i don't own long beach i think so i kind of just skipped it uh like david said i could probably afford it but uh just bought new tires for my truck and that was thirteen hundred dollars and uh so yeah just kind of taking it easy this week uh, i think it's kind of like donnie said the calm before the storm i didn't get involved in the major stuff but I still feel confident. I still feel like I'm ready for the for the Daytona 500. I've never been more ready. I've won this thing before. I'm ready to win it again. You know, I've won a bunch of big races. Let's win some more. Hey, with that, we'll see you on the track. Later. Later.